And bellying up to the nine-foot homemade oak bar, my name is Craig Toth, your host of Minor League News and Brews, covering everything around the Pirates Minor League system, along with reviewing beers, usually four at the end of each episode. I'm also the co-host of the Pirates Fan Podcast for Fans by Fans, Bucks in the Basement with my good friend Chris Lanuti that comes out every Wednesday. And if you noticed on your feed, there was not a minor league news and brews last week because I have been hoping to bring somebody from the Greensboro Grasshoppers on to do this 2023 recap. And honestly, I've been trying for the past four years to get people from Greensboro uh, to come on to either this podcast, uh, I guess that hasn't been around for four years, but also in my writings of the minor league system over at Inside the Bucks Basement, and just really haven't had any luck. Um, I don't know if it's because Greensboro is the only place that I haven't been to within the, the Pirates minor league system. I, I really want to get down there. I mean, a lot of people know that and that know me uh, know that I have a, a fear of heights and a fear of bridges. And there is a lot of driving that would go into that. So maybe I could get a flight down closer so I wouldn't have to drive as much. But if I am going to go down to Greensboro, more than likely I'm going to have to get somebody to drive at least a portion of that trip for me because I'm not going to be able to. But and I don't know if the other thing is that they may I mean, I, it feels like I don't want them to think that I talk down uh, to the Greensboro Grasshoppers because a lot of times we talk about the ballpark. And I mean, I've even done a show on, you know, the the metrics and of the ballpark and how it compares to other ones within the Sally League. And some of them were were fairly comparable. But I mean, that's the one thing that always gets mentioned with Greensboro is, you know, looking at the home run numbers for players, power numbers, looking at the, you know, ERAs, you know, the home runs per nine for the pitchers doesn't always, you know, work out the best because of, you know, the band box that the Greensboro Grasshoppers play in. But I mean, I have no disrespect for them and I love the Greensboro Grasshoppers. Uh, the one thing I don't love that they did is they went out and did a rebrand now for anybody who's seen you know the greensboro grasshoppers merch it's actually like pretty cool i like the colors i like the scheme love the grasshopper definitely a very cool thing i've always thought that the face of the grasshopper looked like that cartoon character that my kids watched growing up. I know the show came out in like 1997 around the time uh, I was graduating high school, but my kids uh, in the, I guess it would be the early, the late uh, 2000s and then 2010s, the early part of that, uh, both of my older children got into watching Franklin the Turtle 
And I know that the grasshopper is not a turtle, but his face kind of always has reminded me of Franklin. And with the antennas or antennae, I don't know what that would be. I, I'm not a person who's who's very familiar with the anatomy of a grasshopper. But with the rebrand, I mean, it's really the focus on the face with the hat, with the antenna, antennae sticking out. So really, to me, it just kind of looks like just a very close up of uh, Franklin the turtle with some antenna sticking out of the hat. So, I mean, I mean, not terrible, but I mean, I'm just not a huge fan of them. But going on to what actually happened, you know, on the diamond, on the baseball field with the Greensboro Grasshoppers in the South Atlantic League, the Sally, uh, this past year, the Grasshoppers finished with a record of 68 and 61 which was four games back of the Jersey Shore Blue Claws in the North Division. So a, a fairly successful season for the Grasshoppers. As far as the offense goes, they had a 766 OPS as a team. The league average in the Sally was 721. They were in the top three. Uh, but on the flip side, on the mound, they were in the bottom three, According to WHIP, their WHIP was 1.457. The league average was 1.381. And as we go through here, I'm just going to talk about some of the hitters, some of the pitchers uh, that that found their way, you know, through Greensboro or to Greensboro during this last season, or maybe just kind of like just spent their time in Greensboro uh, during the 2023 season. And the biggest one that sticks out to me, and it's somebody that I talked with, with John Moses when we did the Altoona Curve recap, and that is Sung Che Chang. When he was in Greensboro before his promotion to Altoona, I mean, yes, you would see talking about that power that may not exist in other places. He hit nine home runs, slugged 575. Uh, but the big things for him here is usually like is his is K and walk rate. Uh, K rate, very reasonable, 18.5. Uh, base on ball rate, 13.8. Very good. Slash line overall, 308, 406. And like I said, that 575 slugging that I had mentioned, I really was looking for him to do more when he got to Altoona. And I feel like I've been talking about him and this next guy like an, an awful lot uh, since the season ended. Just because, you know, both of them are Rule 5 eligible. I'm still trying to decide because if anybody listened to the, the, I think I called it the the Pirates Rule 5 Protection Plan episode of Minor League News and Brews, I really didn't decide which players may be protected outside of, I, I believe, you know, Braxton Ashcraft, which is a guy that I'm going to talk about again in this episode. But, I, you know, if, if Chang would have came up to Altoona and and perform better. I know that a lot of people would say that he kind of fits into that light hitting, you know, middle infielder that the Pirates have a glut of. Uh, but he fit more in my eyes into the the prototypical 
uh, leadoff hitter because of his on-base percentage. Uh, I also think he is more of a natural fielder as far as an infielder goes than, say, a G1 Bay. Um, so there's, to me, it's it's not a bad thing. On our show, you know, Bucks in the Basement, Chris and I basically say, you know, you can't have too many people up the middle. You can't have too many you know, shortstops. You can't have too many center fielders because those are usually your most athletic players on the field. So, I mean, in essence, you are, you know, showing that these guys can move to other positions. I know that position flexibility is something that is very important to Ben Sherrington. I know that even I get a little bit irked or annoyed with trying to do that. Maybe what I feel is a little bit too much. Uh, but, you know, Chang is just one of those naturally good fielders. Uh, could he be protected? I don't know. Should he be protected? Once again, I don't know. And the same thing goes for this next guy, Jace Bowen. Everybody knows Jace is one of my favorite prospects within the Pirates system. You know, since I watched him play down in Bradenton, uh, it wouldn't have been last year. It would have been the year before in 2022 before he got bumped up to Greensboro and struggled a little bit. Uh, for him, it's speed and power. I mean, he can play a lot of different positions. He plays every one of the outfield positions well. I know that he's been playing some first base uh, out in the Arizona Fall League, which is something that I will get to here. But, I mean, across the board, Jace, you know, slash – and if anybody's listened to this, it would be probably about the 20th time you heard me talk about his slash line. Uh, 258, 333, 469, uh, the 23 home runs, 24 stolen bases. Uh, the K rate, once again, just a little bit high, 24.5. But more, I would like to see the base on ball percentage come up a little bit with him, 7.1%. Uh, and, I mean, he kind of, went into the Arizona Fall League and was like a house of fire and a very small sample size. And it, and it continues to be, you know, somewhat of a small sample size, slightly over, you know, a hundred plate appearances. But, you know, since the time he was, you know, everybody was saying he's batting 300 something, he's slugging uh, or his, o his OPS is over 1.00. Uh, come back down to earth a little bit and kind of what type of player he's been uh, when he is, you know, at a level for the majority of the time. Uh, in the uh, Florida State League, when he was with the Bradenton Marauders in 2022, uh, his OPS was, you know, right around 8.05 when he was in uh, the Sally League for this, for most of this season. Yeah, you saw the OPS right at, you know, 802. Right now, uh, it definitely isn't up over the thousands anymore. It's right around like 855. So it's a type of player that, you know, kind of Jace Bowen is. And, and he is still pretty young, you know, just turned uh, 23 when he went up to Altoona, even though it was for, you know, a short period of time. He was almost two years younger than the average player uh, at that level. So, I mean, have I made up my mind? If they protected either Chang or Bowen, I mean, I wouldn't be upset if they didn't protect them. 
and just you know put them on that triple a uh roster i believe it's 38 players that i had talked about during that rule five protection episode so they i mean obviously that's something that they would do they're not going to let them go um in the minor league portion of the draft but it's just seeing you know the pirates as they stand right now as of recording friday november 10th at 4 16 p.m the 40 man stands at 37 i i know that you know they want to leave themselves open to be able to possibly select a player in the rule five draft not guaranteed to do so uh but then also to maybe you know protect a couple of these guys i i know that there is still that fat that could be trimmed you know off of that current 37 players but i mean I'm kind of like maybe I wouldn't say indifferent. Obviously, I want these players, players I enjoy very much, to be a part of the organization for for years to come here. But I don't know if it if falls into that rule five. I mean, I guess I still have a few more days to to kind of come down on that, and and I'll probably be thinking about that up until that. Uh, I believe it's 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time this upcoming Tuesday. I'll probably still be thinking about it. But the next hitter, another guy that's out in the Arizona Fall League that basically kind of, I mean, I everybody that is a fan of the Pirates minor league system you know, knew about Jack Brannigan. Uh, he was a guy that was drafted as a quote-unquote two-way player uh, from Notre Dame. I thought in the beginning he may follow the J.C. Flowers route and just kind of become a, a, a relief pitcher. I know that I think they discussed that option with him. He wanted to, you know, get a chance to hit. And, you know, in his time, after the promotion from Bradenton, he slashed 299, 382, 605 with 12 home runs. The base on ball rate, uh, 12.1%, a good thing to see. But that K rate is just something that has, you know, been worrying me, you know, during his time throughout the minor leagues and I know that I had talked on a previous episode about somebody who I was worried about you know once they started getting these promotions and and especially coming up to hopefully Altoona we've seen guys stall out there um, in like a Mason Martin a a Matthew Frazier uh, Matt Gorski kind of regressing to a degree and I kind of put and Jack Brannigan out there as a possibility to do that. I spoke about it when the uh, guys from the 412 Double Play podcast, Michael and Ed, were nice enough to have me on. And it wasn't anything in like Brannigan's game. He's a great defender, definitely has a decent amount of power, but uh, the, the strikeouts, 33.5%. In his time so far, as of the d- the date of this recording, he's striking out at like 37 to 38% of the time in the Arizona Fall League. And I know that when I did the Arizona Fall League preview, I talked about how, you know, I can't get too excited or too disappointed in how players perform, but then also kind of had the caveat that, you know, wouldn't you want to perform better instead of performing worse? And, you know, Jack Brannigan just hasn't been hitting well out there. The average is bad, has shown a little bit of pop. You know, the K rate has just been, you know, out of this world. But a guy that, you know, 
kind of balanced the K rate and the base on ball rate last year after another promotion, you know, from Bradenton is, is Tamar Johnson. Tamar Johnson did have the 24.2% K rate, but he did have the 21.9% base on ball rate, which can happen, you know, in those, in the lower levels of the minors to a very kind of patient hitter, but also an advanced hitter. Because sometimes, you know, they will get frustrated and try to hit. So their K rate, they may be swinging at stuff outside the zone because they're not getting as many pitches that they can actually, you know, put put bat to ball. But then also you may see the base on ball rate kind of go up because, you know, at times they like, man, I really don't want to swing at that. So a good thing to see that with him. Would like to see the average a little bit higher. Slashing 242, that average, you know, like to see that come up a little bit more. But then the the 428 and the 414 on the slugging, five home runs, has shown some pop in the bat, but not like kind of like a ridiculous, you know, 6700 OPS that would more than likely come down. Uh, when you get that promotion to double A, and I kind of would expect Tamar, if he doesn't start in double A Altoona next year, to to be up there in in fairly short order. I think this is a guy that you can kind of fast track a little bit. But Tamar had a, a pretty good season in my eyes after you know having to start the season uh, on the IL with that hamstring, learning how to. I know he went through a running program to kind of help him with that. So there's there's good stuff on the horizon. Tamar Johnson, a good one. A player that I really liked in Greensboro, and I know I wrote about him a couple times, and, and that's Trace Gonzalez. And Trace is never, I think, going to be that guy that you know, blows you away with what he does, but what he does is just so consistent. Slash 287, 401, 402, eight home runs. He doesn't really have that much power. You know, up in Altoona, he's maybe hitting, you know, three or four home runs, maybe even two. But the big thing for him is that he gets on base, only strikes out an 18.7% K rate, but walks at a 14.5% base on ball. So, like, once again, not a guy that's going to blow you away, but I feel like it's a guy that could uh, contribute in a way to the major league team at some point in time if he would make it up here. But, you know, Trace is, is a guy that, that I definitely enjoyed watching this past season. On the mound, there was a lot of just promising you know, top prospects, guys with good stuff. You know, I couldn't watch the the Greensboro Grasshoppers enough uh, to see some of these guys take the mound. The biggest one for me prior to his promotion to Altoona, Anthony Solomito. Anthony Solomito just. For his age, he showed that he was above the high A level. In 58.2 innings pitched, 
He had a 2.30 ERA. Always looking at the whip, though. The whip, 1.159. Only gave up two home runs. And when I talk about the Sally League and talk about home runs, in almost 60 innings, giving up two home runs, which is 0.3 home runs per nine. Like, that's just, that's absolutely insane. He showed he was above the league. Uh, the next pitcher, somebody who, you know, I think it's the, the Fighting Camels, Campbell University. Uh, Thomas Harrington, after pr- the promotion from Bradenton, uh, he did struggle in his first couple starts. I know that before the season started, uh, a lot of people were talking about whether or not he should have started you know, straight away in high A. He ended up adjusting in 88.1 innings pitched, a 3.87 ERA, the 1.302 whip, which, you know, is kind of pushing it towards, you know, back end of the rotation, you know, type caliber pitcher. But, you know, a lot of that was adjusted afterwards and, and after he got used to being at high A. So, I mean, I'm not worried about that at all. And if you're wanting to a, a comparison to a, a Solomito, he gave up 1.1 home runs per nine innings, which is still kind of pretty good, but just kind of shows how crazy uh, Solomito's numbers were with the 0.3 home runs per nine. Uh, po Yu Chen. I had seen Po Yu pitch uh, live with Bradenton the year before. Doesn't have, like, overwhelming stuff, but just has just really good stuff. I He had 119.2 innings pitched. A 4.44 ERA, whip a little bit high. The 1.379 gave up 1.6 home runs per nine. Uh, I think a lot of people, uh, just because I mean it was one of the bigger international signings so far uh, for Ben Charrington, but I mean I think people are really into can this guy blow you away with his fastball. Um, if he can't and he's more of a finesse pitcher, like in today's game, would he be able to make it? Uh, Poe Yu's kind of that guy. and But he's just, in my eyes, just he's going to be who he's going to be. And I think that can be uh, a very solid pitcher. On to Braxton Ashcraft, the guy that, I mean, I kind of have him almost, I think I've said, and, and I will say it again, is almost a lock to be protected in the Rule 5. Uh just because, I mean, pitchers are the ones that are usually selected. I know that if a position player you know, breaks out, at least for that one season, like a, a Ryan Noda did you know, last year, Akil Badu has done previously, those ones get a little bit more, you know, uh, they get a little bit more of attention uh, from people. But mostly it is those pitchers. And, you know, Ashcraft's a guy, you know, coming off of Tommy John, knew he was going to be kind of like worked back in and kind of paced a little bit. And he's somebody that if you really wanted to, a team wanted to select him, believe he could be hidden, you know, in the bullpen for a season. I didn't pitch, you know, a ton of innings last year. I wouldn't be asked to pitch a ton of innings this year, and then you could kind of, you know, put him back in your minor league system the next year and and stretch him back out if you wanted to. Um, So I just kind of think that he would be the most likely. Uh, In his time, in his comeback tour, 
uh, in Greensboro. At 26.1 innings pitched in Greensboro. 376 ERA, a 1.29 whip. Did did better in um, Altoona uh, and had the 1.4 home runs per nine. But just, you know, a really solid pitcher. A guy with a lot of good stuff. And speaking of a guy with a lot of good stuffs, and this one would be a tale of two seasons, and that's Bubba Chandler. Uh, Bubba Chandler, through his first 15 games, 57 innings pitched, April through June, I mean, it just looked like he was overwhelmed. I was very patient with him, though, because this is his first year as a full-time pitcher in professional baseball and actually baseball in general. Uh, during that time, those 15 starts, a 6.63 ERA, a 1.89 WHIP. I also looked on him. I wanted to look at the average against just to see, you know, kind of how people were hitting against him. If some of the stuff might have been just a little bit of bad luck or stuff going that different direction, but the average against was a 3.31. Then in his last nine starts and 49 innings pitched. So, I mean, you almost in like six less starts almost have, you know, the same amount of innings because he was getting stretched out, was performing much better July through September, the 257 ERA, the 1.04 whip. And you saw that average against go down to 202. I mean, once Bubba got himself going in in the second half of the season, in those last nine starts, it, it was a guy that I mean, just looked like a, a kid on a mission. Got the the you know the the cup of coffee in Altoona. We'll we'll start in Altoona next year. Still extremely young. Looking forward to what he can do next year, and hopefully looking forward to getting down to Greensboro, where I will wear what will be now throwback gear with the rebrand, but definitely hoping to get down to Greensboro in 2024. I think I have finally drank all of the Oktoberfest that are in my fridge, or I guess at this point in time were uh, in my beer fridge. The first one, North Country Brewing Company. I love North Country. Love going up to Slippery Rock uh, and and just drinking that there. Uh, also, you know, you can get it down near Zealion Opal. Can never remember the name of the town or the inn that I go to, but I've definitely had it there as well. Uh, if if anybody knows that, you can just laugh at me and yell, you know, at your uh, your phone or your car rate car radio or whatever you're hooking this up to and listening to it because I can never remember it as as to what that area is. Uh, but I had their autumn equinox. Uh, 5.9%. Their take on the Oktoberfest. Give that one a 450. Knock it down to 400. Really enjoyed that beer. Uh, the second one is Fatheads Oktoberfest. Everybody knows Fatheads is from Cleveland, but we have a great Fatheads with the Headwitches uh, down there on the south side. Uh, that one is only 5%, but also just a really good drinking beer. Uh, 450. 
uh, four knock that down to 400 did the Brooklyn Brewery Oktoberfest. I, I like some of the Brooklyn Brewery beers. Uh, this one, not as much as the other two Oktoberfests there. Uh, this one came in at 5.5%. Give that one a 425. Knock it down to 375. And I actually had to uh, go into the back of the fridge because I realized I didn't have four Oktoberfests for this one. But I feel like this beer is is kind of fitting because there has been a ton of chatter on Pirates Twitter uh, with the fans concerning wanting a certain person to play first base for the Pittsburgh Pirates in 2024, Mr. Reese Hoskins from the city of brotherly love over in Philadelphia. So I am reviewing the victory Brotherly Love Hazy IPA, 6% ABV. Give that one a 425. Break that down to 375. And that's it for the beer reviews. And coming at you next week, we're going to be doing the recap of the Bradenton Marauders 2023 season. And then the following week, going to be discussing the players player or players that were protected by the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, ahead of the Rule 5 draft. Uh, like I said, that is going to happen uh, this upcoming Tuesday by 6 o'clock. not going to talk about that right away because also want to get into maybe some players that could be available in the Rule 5 draft for the Pirates to select as well. So one to look into that and didn't want to do just a show of, you know, the player or players that the Pirates have protected because more than likely it's somebody that I've talked about a lot. Hope everybody has a great weekend. Uh, getting to, you know, hang out with some you know, friends and family, hopefully watching the Steeler game. And I'll talk to you guys next week.